Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. I'm your host, Paul, joined by the birthday boy, Greg oh, Alba. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Thank Happy you, birthday Paul. to you. You gave me a big <laughs> speech on my birthday. I've not prepared one for you, but I will you say... You son of a... B- <laughs> How dare you? Know, you? Greg's a lo- Greg is a lovely, lovely man. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's someone I speak to every day. You've been so supportive over the last... Two, two or three years uh, when we first met, I was having a bit of a meltdown, going through a crazy crisis behind the scenes on YouTube, and Greg was there to just calm everything down and talk me through it. And uh, we got we got here in the end. Um, and yeah, I can't imagine there wouldn't be a better person to have just listen to my shit every day and, and being so supportive. And I really appreciate everything that you've done, Greg. You're an amazing human. Um, you're one of the game changers in YouTube as well. If you if you look at reactions, I guarantee they've stolen something that Greg's done and put it on their channel. We'll not, we'll not say stolen. You will say you've influenced them to do something. <laughs> um, and yeah, you've been you've been just a great guy in front of the camera, behind the camera, and yeah, happy birthday! How many years around the sun has it been? Uh, 30, 33. Thank you for the thank oh. you for the words, man. It was a you know I had a weird weekend with. Uh, I'm gonna give yeah, a heads up here. I, I had to go to the, <laughs> I had to go to the urgent care, and then I just spent my, and then I just decided to relax for my birthday. Paul has a bunch of stories here, so it's gonna be that for all those who already like clown on me in the comment boxes. I'm gonna give you more ammo today because it's the least prepared I've ever been for a podcast today, <laughs> and um, so it's gonna be a lot of me nodding and listening to Paul, and then me going, "All right, man, let me work on the thumbnail and create some stupid chapters." So that's what it's going to be today. We're going to have a fun time, and yeah. I really appreciate that, man. I want to talk about what the hell happened with you, because you you'd said you'd been ill all day, and I was like, just take a rest, mate. Just take a rest. And you're like, oh, no, but I've got to get these videos done. I was like, no, it sounds like you're quite ill. You <laughs> you always get in trouble when you really push yourself. And you're like, I just, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I, I said, just rest. I'm going to bed. We're in different time zones. I'm going to bed. And then I woke up to see you a photo of you laid out on a hospital bed with a drip in your arm and the caption it happened paul and i was like oh, <laughs> so that yeah it's you know everything's like algorithm and timing based and there's a lot of prep that goes into the videos and i was like i'm just gonna fall behind the schedule i think you and if something that people might uh know about us already maybe you don't uh, one thing that paul and i bonded on when it was past youtube was we both often suffer from anxiety. We have a lot of anxiety attacks. We get in our own heads and beyond work. And it's like if there's personal stuff that is overlapping and then it kind of converts into doing more work. So it, it was, I think just the anxiety just overtook my whole body of like, oh, I got to get so much. But you know us, we just we often run on burnout when we don't want to. We love what we do. We love what we do. And, it, and, we, and it's it's our biggest treasure it's a, this is like our baby in, in everything so we, we do it with the utmost love and then sometimes we do it on burnout at the same time and uh i i'm trying to learn to just be more honest with myself and be honest with others so that's going to be my 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 resolution from 33 to 34 is just to be more real with myself didn't start off smart though because i immediately went to work the next day after the hospital <laughs> but i'm remembering yeah. but i wanted to i wanted to shout um someone out who over the weekend they, they gave us a a great post on instagram uh rocket fox official it's our first fan art which made me really happy because it was my first sign that maybe i'm not going to get replaced by mt this week once i saw the fan art i was like yay it was such a cool drawing we look so buff 
It's a very accurate depiction of you, not so accurate of me. The muscles on you, very, very, very well defined. Voluptuous. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah, too ripped. Yeah. That's like my, so, yeah, my fault. Rocket. Thank you, Rocket Fox official. But we got some stuff on the agenda to talk about today, man. And Paul's going to explain all of it today. We got to talk about the, the more Barbie news. Are you are you not going to watch this movie, Paul? I was talking to you about it today, and I feel like you're not even going to bother to watch this movie. We got more Barbie news, and then we could, are you going to watch it? Maybe I'm fifty fifty on Adam. I mean, if the wife puts understand. it on, I will. But I'm not. I'm not actively seeking out going to watch Barbie, and it's nothing. It's, I just I don't have any interest in the film. I'm sorry, guys. You know, it's the same as like. It's it's literally like a period piece from the seventeen hundreds for me. It's like that region of lack of interest for me. If it had if it had Spider Man in it, I might watch it. But at the moment, I don't know. And it's not it's nothing against the movie. I'm really glad it's doing well. It's just you know I only have so much free time on my hands. I'm either watching movies all day for the channel, um, or spending time with my family. And the, those brief moments that I get with my family, I don't now want to put on another movie. Um, and if I'm doing it for work, we're, we're not we're not going to cover Barbie, Barbie at the channel. If I'm being honest, um, just because we've got so many movies from like 40 years ago that we have to work through. So yeah, it's, it, I have to either put something on at work and work through it, or go do some personal stuff. And yeah, it's just I don't know when I'm going to get the time. And that's not nothing against it. I get requested so many other films, um, but yeah, it's just I doubt I'm going to go out the, the way and watch it. You know what I mean? Well, I hope you eventually do watch. I'll let you know how it is, buddy. And then we got some conflicting Ahsoka viewing figures. James Gunn, he's back in the news for some old stuff. He said Marvel delays, some streaming number reports, and maybe a couple of other things if we have the time. But since we just started talking about Barbie, what is this box office big deal thingy that you were telling me that you're trying to tell me about that I did not open up the link for? Yeah, so Barbie has now passed a billion. It is the biggest movie of the year. It has passed by, uh, by Super Mario, and Oppenheimer has also passed eight hundred and fifty million. Um, probably going to go on to get at least nine hundred million, I'd say. So it's a massive, crazy, crazy success um, for for both Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie blew blew me away. You know, had absolutely no idea how how big this movie was going to be. Massive hit. Um, I think it's one of Warner Brothers' biggest movies of all time as well. So yeah, cre- just incredible performance. Um, Margot Robbie, you know, she's had a she's had a, a number of flops in a row, and to see her get this, it's been, you know, she deserves it. She's really carved out a space for herself in Hollywood, and um, she's a great actress as well. She often gets thought of as doing more sort of I don't know. She's not really like respected as a big actress. I don't feel she's more kind of put in physical roles and more franchise IP stuff. But she is. She's really, really good. And yeah, to see this, well done. Clap, clap, clap for for Margot Robbie. Um, because she pushed this movie as much as she did. And yeah, it's done absolutely brilliantly. She should be proud of herself. Um, yeah. But the top three. What's a very in- interesting statistic is that the top three movies of this year are Barbie. Mario's number two and Oppenheimer's number three and this is the first time since 2001 that the top three highest grossing movies of a year haven't been sequels so yeah times are changing we we might finally Hollywood might be like oh we better we better come up with some new ideas but chances are 
these are all going to get sequels. They're probably going to make Oppenheimer 2. Um, I don't know how, but they'll, they'll find a way to do it. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens next. Um, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant ga- guys. Really proud of you. You know, I, I've prayed for days like this because I don't think it's any secret that I'm getting kind of, I, obviously I love comic book movies, but I feel they've hit a point where they're very by the numbers and studios, you can tell they're doing it for money reasons rather than because they have an actual idea. You know, mm-hmm. Sony have got to the point they're greenlighting every single Spider-Man villain spin-off movie possible. I don't think the one with Bad Bunny, the El Muerto one's happening anymore, but when that got greenlit, it was kind of like, uh, the, the genre might be getting milked a bit too much. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's nice seeing that originality can still be a thing that pays off dividends and congratulations guys you know every time we feel like the movies have have hit a point where everything's the same you know these films have come out and and shown that you can do something different and people will support it if it's good enough yeah you know i gotta say man like mario and i mean i didn't expect barbie to be as massive of a hit as it is i expected it to be a hit uh mario's no surprise like that makes a lot of sense why it did so well oppenheimer though it got me thinking about how, you know, where there's always this conversation, especially like around the time when Tarantino was making those criticisms about Marvel of how they don't create movie stars. And, and that's been a kind of a conversation even before then of how movie stars are not really around anymore. There's, they don't really rely on actors and actresses to sell films. We go for the characters, we go for the IPs. And it's kind of interesting with what happened with Oppenheimer because it's Christopher Nolan and he's not a movie star. He's a director, but he actually has more merit and weight. I think with audiences, akin equivalent to what we kind of miss now from a movie star selling films because Oppenheimer, everything about it does not reek of something that would make a close to a billion dollars. It's R rated. It's three hours long. It's mainly people just talking in rooms, historical piece. Black and white as well. Most black and white large parts of it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like none of it reads of a film that would come close. No, I don't think anyone really expected it to come close to a billion dollars. And Christopher Nolan, he is that name, that filmmaker who has weirdly that star power that a lot of actual people in front of the camera don't have anymore and i think that's really really cool i think that's really exciting and it's awesome to see like the champion of filmmakers for someone like him there's not many people like him i know james cameron can do it and christopher nolan can do it there's no one else really that can pull that off now unless i'm thinking of someone i was like martin scorsese i don't think can martin scorsese is my favorite director of all time but I don't even think he can pull that off right now. You know, like he can have a good hit. They're they're usually well regarded. They're well received. But to be a box office phenomenon, uh, Nolan and James Cameron are the only two. I feel like I'm missing one, but Nolan and James Cameron are the two I can think of. Yeah, and, and when you were, to, uh, I've often heard that comment about how you know there's no more movie stars. And when you were talking about that, it actually struck me that. Nolan's the name, but he brings the stars with him as well. When you think mm-hmm. about all of the the people that featured in this film because they wanted to work with Nolan, just the yeah. fact that Nolan's involved brings people on board. So I think pushing Nolan is like, oh crap, well, you know, there's going to be people. Like the amount of people that were in Oppenheimer that I didn't even know were in the film. 
and mm-hmm. and just seeing like like Casey Affleck show up and. I don't even think I knew Josh Hartnett was in it, to be honest. I did not know either. And just, yeah, yeah, and seeing them pop up, it's like, oh, crap. And the fact is, Nolan brings the stars with him to the point where it's almost like you're you're going because his name's on it, and there's almost like this entire group of people that he could be bringing with him, and there's all the people that want to work with him, which, again, elevates the movie. So, yeah, he's going to go for that Christopher Nolan. (laughs) Well, it's funny because when I was when looking back on the marketing, with my recollection, correct me if I'm wrong, Robert Downey Jr. is easily the biggest star out of that whole cast, uh, or at least the most, you know, he's probably the most well-paid and whatnot. And in the marketing, they didn't even really use him a lot, probably because most of his scenes are in black and white in that film. So they didn't showcase him a lot in the actual trailers. So I didn't even expect him to be in the movie for as long as he's in. The, he, he takes up a lot, like one of the main storylines is, is him. He's, he's like the main supporting character. And they didn't even rely on his star power. And Killian Murphy is by no means like now he is probably. But before this, I wouldn't consider him like the A-list star to sell a movie, you know. And now this just skyrocketed him to be something that much more prolific. It's really cool, man. It's it's really, really awesome. I'm happy for all three films. And it's awesome to see how this is all going. Too bad Disney can't quite meet it, <laughs> meet it all. <laughs> they got lots of viewing figures from those movies. But there's been a bit of back and forth on viewing figures, Greg, when we talk about the Ahsoka premiere. Now, yeah. Samba TV, they're known for... And known for basically um, judging viewer viewership by certain things that they select. For example, they've got a sample size of 28 million. Um, so it's not a small sample size. And what they tend to do is if someone watches past the, the first five minutes of a show, I, I believe um, they register that as a view and that counts towards uh, basically, you know what what the viewership of a show is, and you can use that to judge how popular something is. Now, right. Ahsoka, uh, it, its first two episodes dropped, obviously, and according to Samba TV, one point two million US households watched the premiere of um, Ahsoka over its first six days on Disney Plus. Now, you know the internet; it, it's all over the place. Um, but ju- just going off that metric alone it didn't seem very good because that is quite low. Now I'm going to bring up some of the numbers and we're we're going to kind of compare. So um, the first episode of Loki was 2.5 million. Moon Knight was 1.8 million. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was 1.8 million. WandaVision was 1.6 and Hawkeye was 1.5. You're going off of Samba, right? Samba TV. Yeah. So yeah. So those are Samba TV. Now House of the Dragon, 4.8 million. Absolutely amazing show, um, crazy audience. And people notice that, you know, the way it's been worded in the Samba thing is that it was over the first six days for Ahsoka. So 1.2 million over the first six days. Now, all those other shows that I've listed, they were actually the first four days. So it felt like there's been something, you know, it's not really performed that well. And judging by that sample size that we talked about before, I feel that was quite bad and it has been, you know, reflected in our viewership as well. I'm sure Greg, you know, I don't mind, like, I'm sure you don't mind me saying this, but our Ahsoka videos haven't performed at the level that something like Loki has, for example, there hasn't, it's barely trended. They obviously moved it to a new release time slot, which the sons of a bitches. 
Um, but it should have had that boost from obviously premiering at 9 p.m. in New York or 9 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in America, and it still didn't really get a boost from that. So it's had the advantage of having six days for a premiere and a, a good time slot as well. It's not dropping middle of the night in America. Now, what's happened is that kind of took up all the headlines for the first day, and then the next day, Disney, for the first time ever, put out a press statement saying that Ahsoka had actually received 15 million views, yeah. which they then corrected almost immediately after saying, actually, it was 14 million views. So there's kind of this back and forth over what's going on with it. Um, personally, I tend to lean more towards the Samba TV being the more realistic figure obviously i still get it to 28 million sample size it's not covering things worldwide which i think disney would take into account yeah definitely now you know streaming services they never really release these numbers and it did feel like damage control um because i don't feel like had that number on samba tv been so low that they would have came out and done this i think if it had been up towards loki or even Falcon the Winter Soldier at 1.8 million, they would have probably have, you know, just left it at that and not done anything. So it does kind of feel like damage control because Star Wars in general, you know, let's be honest, there's people who, though they love it, the group collecting all the toys, watching the original trilogy, <laughs> bought the special editions, went out to watch the prequels. There's still a part of them that wants to see Star Wars fail, and that's. Let's just say people like um, the leadership that might be involved at Lucasfilms, a certain figure that they might not like and might want to get fired. So it's kind of difficult to to judge stuff because there's always confirmation bias where you'll see a big account that wants to see Star Wars fail pulling out a certain article or sample size that proves that it's doing badly. And if people want to see it do well, they'll pull out something that makes it look good. For example, the viewing figures. Now... What do you think happened in regards to this, Greg? Because I I sort of have a a feeling that it's somewhere down the middle. Well, I think you're 100% right, first off, that this is damage control. Disney's stock is the worst it's been in a very, very long time. Their reputation is tanking. The amount of money that they have lost on their films has been kind of astronomical, right? Like they've they've had other flops or films that just underperformed. Quantumania, Little Mermaid, Elemental, Indiana Jones, Haunted Mansion, Secret Invasion did not do that well. Marvel's is not exactly tracking that great right now. And then, of course, with Ahsoka, I think that number circulating was just ringing as uh, another, oh my God, Disney is underperforming. And like you brought up, that Disney's numbers, they might include viewership from all over the world. And I guess the question is coming down to what counts as viewership right now, because mm. that's such a drastic difference, right? To go from like 1.6, was 1.6? Is that what you said? 1.2. 1.2 to 14 million <laughs> is an insane like gap in, in difference in numbers. And I don't know what the like the metric is like. We know how Samba um, counts their numbers. They they tend to go off U.S. households, right? And they have to go off of the households that have the tracking software installed as well. And it's it's just U.S. Whereas Disney might be in counting the number of times it was actually streamed and like who might have 
watched it re- repetitively. It's really strange. But when I look at the number, even for the ones where Ahsoka has actually done really well for like certain YouTube, like I'm not saying YouTube channels are the end all be all to determine it, but it is a it's a re- relatively reasonable metric to kind of see where engagement is really at for a show. And yeah, like it doesn't really take the top spot on trending. It's never gone trending in the way how Mandalorian has ever gone trending. It's never gone trending in the way a lot of the Marvel stuff that you listed has gone trending. Not even close, not not even remotely close to it. So I I can't recall though. Do you know has this ever happened before where Disney has because this was like a PR release? Like I got the email yeah. too, where Disney released this email. I was like, this is kind of strange. And it and it read a little bit. It read a little sad to me, honestly. <laughs> like it reads a little desperate to to save themselves uh, from the the image that has been tarnished significantly this year. And I I guess I feel I don't I guess I feel bad for them. I, I'm kind of I am kind of worried. Don't feel bad for the corporation, Greg. You feel bad for the creatives. I feel bad for the creatives, and I feel bad as a fan. That's what it is like. I feel sad as a as a fan because you know we love we we grew our we grew our business doing this stuff and the way how our business grew is because we already had that reverence we already had that love we already had that shared nostalgia the way how a lot of audience audience members have had with these properties Marvel DC Star Wars those three brands right there they're all three have not been doing good and if we're just talking about this one, like Star Wars, especially, I, I, I can I can flash back to when, you know, the announcement of Force Awakens and then bringing back the original cast and everything that they were planning on doing, and it was just so exciting. And even that first Force Awakens trailer, like I, I remember the 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 love and the hype. I remember it all. I and, remember where I was when I watched that trailer. Yeah, which is a rare thing. I was in my grandma's house. Um, and I was just sitting on the sofa and then I got the notification saying it was out and I just stood up and went to the bathroom, like almost like I was doing something funny in there. Uh, I had to use some tissues for the tears running down my face because I, I, I think I was probably one of the only trailers I've ever cried over. And it was wow. the bit at the end with Han Solo and Chewbacca saying, we're back. And it just it Bro. just hit me. I was like, "Oh, they've done it! They've done it! Take my money! This on this franchise is never gonna die." <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean. Is that's what's the part that is disheartening uh, about it to me? Is as I know, there's a lot of videos, and we, t- we obviously a lot of our videos lately have have led with a bit of a of a negative slant. But I think we like to have a nuanced conversation about it. And if I'm being completely honest, the part that makes me sad is, oh, I, I wish the I wish the love was still kind of a predominant force, <laughs> if you will, where now it, it's, it's, it seems like it's on, a, it's on a decline and it's struggling to really stay relevant and, and alive. When, when I like Ahsoka a lot, I, I, there's, there's a lot of Ahsoka that I really do love. I, I, I love a lot of it. And a lot of people feel like this is more Star Wars than it ever has been in a long time. I, I really, really enjoy it. And I hope that the love comes around for it. And more importantly, I hope that the show ends up sticking the landing by the time it <laughs> concludes. I, I hope it's actually really good. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my main takeaway on it is uh, I, I think they're trying to save face right now because they have a lot of big plans as well. And 
they want to yeah. stick through with those plans and they might have to can a lot of those plans if this does not get better. Well, that's the thing with these viewing figures. If this was a, a network cable TV show, they would probably cancel it in all mm-hmm. honesty um, because the viewership's so low. And obviously, you know, it's in a prime time slot on a, a Tuesday night as well. And this is, you know, cable, cable TV and network TV, they want to sell adverts. Um, and yeah. if you've not got the viewership there, you can't charge more for adverts. So, you know, moving it across to that, it probably would be cancelled. Obviously, you know, it's on a streaming service, so that they can decide what they want to do for it. But we know this is very much a platform that Dave Filoni is going to launch. What's probably going to be the next phase of Star Wars after the sequel trilogy film-wise? Obviously, he's got his movie coming out, which is speculated to be Heir to the Empire, and that's obviously going to be very Thrawn-centric which it make, makes me kind of surprised they've not teased Thrawn earlier. I don't know if we're going to get him in episode four or whatever, but I, I feel like he should have been there from the start almost in the series, and mm-hmm. we should have seen things from his point of view as well. But r- disregarding all that, um, the, there's a lot of things going on. And I think the main thing why I also tend to lean more towards Samba is because Disney can pick and choose what they class as a view and they can exactly. obviously inflate the numbers. Like if if you ask me what my viewership is, like what my average view on a video is when I'm trying, if, if a company, you know, sometimes companies come to me and they're like, we want to put an advert in one of your videos. What are your views like at the moment? I'll, I'll, I'll select the best three videos and go, look, that's, we do that all the time. Um, and I think when you can select your own viewership, what you define as a view that's obviously gonna you know you're gonna try and play your hand and just the, the 15 million change to the 14 million made me feel like they never had a, a true grasp on the figure um it's almost like they asked someone in the office were like what go on the, go on the soccer and see what the views are he's like oh 15 million or something um and then the next minute they're like actually it was 14 million knock that back it just seems weird that you'd read 15 as sorry you'd read 14 as 15 you know what i mean it seems like a weird mistake to make but these things happen um in pr now the fan jecture actually put together a really really good thread um talking about how the ahsoka viewing figures weren't really adding up and uh they kind of went over you know a lot of shows that that we actually know the viewership for to compare what Ahsoka would be and where it would sit if these views are indeed definite. Um, so House of the Dragon, which became HBO's log, lo, sorry, House of the Dragon became HBO's largest premiere in over a decade. That premiere earned just about 10 million viewers. The show drew the largest audience in the pay TV channel's history, including before the streaming era, HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO Max. Um, so going off what the largest hbo show is it's 10 million viewers so that would mean ahsoka is one of the largest uh tv biggest tv shows especially premieres of all time um and if you kind of compare the the samba figures for that as well obviously house of the dragon was 4.8 million in four days whereas ahsoka is 1.2 million in six days so it's a bit bit weird on that um so house of the dragon also trended on social media at number one for 14 hours straight the last of us premiere was also hbo's second highest premiere in the last 13 years it beat out game of thrones and the first episode earned 4.7 million viewers so that's the second biggest show at 4.7 million and ahsoka is doing 14 million you know what i mean no wow 
doesn't seem like it, it, they're using the same viewership to understand that. No. Um, so the 14 million views, you know, comparing it to to Game of Thrones and The Last of Us, it seems a bit seems like something fishy's going on there. It seems like a bit of PR spin. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of a it's a weird thing. I get I get they're trying to sell that the show's successful and that'll obviously be enthusiastic. Like I'll admit, sometimes even if I like something, if it doesn't do well, I'll get kind of bogged down with like negativity around that project almost. Like Blue Beetle is a perfect example. Really enjoy the film. Um and this weekend they're like it's it's past one hundred million worldwide. I'm like, oh, that's doing re- that's like quite bad, and then I'll start thinking like, oh, like when you hear the Flash is like, we we enjoyed the Flash, but you know, hearing it's one of the biggest flops ever, it's like, oh, it's quite 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 bad yeah. that, and you get kind of pulled into the memeing on it and talking shit about it, and I feel like they want to avoid that by having it come out as a success because if they hadn't, and those viewing figures were the the first thing that people saw, like the Samba TV number, people might be memeing on it and tearing it down which i can get i get why they're doing it you know disney's in a very difficult place at the moment mainly down to themselves let's be honest i don't think it's i I don't think fans you know we we were all happily going to throw money disney's way if they were killing it like i'll 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 clear out space on my wall for funko pops from marvel (laughs) and star wars all day if uh, they're delivering really good products but I, i feel like they've kind of slipped and they, they probably know they have as well. I mean, there's so much... The, yeah, the viewership's there. Um, like, we, we'll we have periods on our YouTube channel where we'll uh, we'll see viewership go down and we'll be like, oh, we're kind of messing up right now. And it, often we'll take a step back and we'll analyze what's happening and we'll make certain changes, improve on certain things. And what we'll see follow from that is a boost in viewership. And I think they need to just do that instead of you know, maybe spinning the numbers and trying to figure, trying to convince us that something's not wrong instead of just being like, look, let's admit the problem, which Lucasfilm and Disney don't really seem to do that well. Like there's never really much accountability almost like Indiana Jones was a massive flop and no one's really, you know, ah, like to me, that's crazy that no one's been fired over that. What Spent 300 million on that movie and Kathleen Kennedy's still heading up the company after numerous flops. Like the, the theory that she must know where the bodies are, that must be true. Cause there's no way any other executive would survive that. So yeah, a bit strange, um, not being a good year for Disney. And I think they're just trying to spin it. I mean, I imagine behind the scenes there, they obviously know it. it's, it's a big oh, yeah. Aaron Sorkin movie that's happening behind the scenes where they're all just debating and yelling at each other and mad. But they have to. They, there's so much riding on the line, man. Like when it comes to their stock, and they have like so many investors and whatnot. It's it, there's there's so there's just way too much riding on the line here. So they they have to save face as much as possible. This has been a they 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 have not really known how to play the pandemic after the pandemic to now, and then what's going on with the strikes as well. They it's it's really bad rhetoric all around of what's happening here. They've had a couple of really good things. But for the most part, like any any of their hits that they've had has not been enough to supplement the amount of loss that they've had. I just don't see how that's possible with the amount they've had to remove from their Disney Plus and just the, all the numbers that have been reported, knowing, knowing how much this shit costs. There's just no way that they've 
I, I feel like they've just lost a lot of money this year. It's really been bad for them. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully he gets to keep his job, Bob Iger. Hopefully, hopefully he can stick yeah. around, Daddy Iger. But the reason that the text on the thumbnail is caught red-handed is sort of because of these viewing figures getting meddled a bit with, allegedly, if anyone from Disney, any lawyers are watching this, we're just speculating. We're not out and out saying you've you've, uh, you've fiddled the numbers there. But someone else who got caught red-handed, bloody James Gunn on Facebook 11 years ago, they went back, they went back in time on James Gunn's Facebook and they found... Uh, some, let's say, less than pleasant comments about Tim Burton's Batman and Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Yeah, and uh, The Dark Knight as well, actually. So he slagged off both Burton films and both Nolan ones at the time, which were The Dark Knight and Batman Begins. So yeah, um, <laughs> bit, bit of a weird thing. Like, I'm kind of in two minds over this. I think uh, if you're going back through... 11 years worth of posts you might have a bit of an agenda um and i'll say what i said at the time when this first got announced i see people talking like this every day on twitter and they also think they can run dc so he's just someone who's done that but he's got in the position where he can actually do this now i'm gonna read out the 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 quotes that he said um and yeah these We'll we'll talk about how these almost got debunked, but then it has kind of come out that it was actually his account, um, and he's not actually denied saying these. But we'll we'll go into it all. You you're not going anywhere, are you, mate? He tried to spin it in a way, the way he, I saw I saw his post before we started recording, and the way he made the post at first, I was like, oh, this must be him debunking it. And then when I read it, I'm like, oh, he's not debunking it at all. It's just when you read it, look at it upon first impression, you might think that. And that's kind of the point of what he did. <laughs> but no, it's not debunking it. Uh, I, I, I 100% yeah. believe these are real. Should should I stop? I'll stop and get your reaction to each point that he makes. So Keaton did have a ridiculous voice that said, I'd rather put up with a ridiculous voice than horrible action sequences and acting barely worthy of a Batman TV show. So that's not too bad, I would say. No. B. Point no. B. Point B. I have no idea how you can think that Burton's Batman has more similarities with Moore or Miller's Batman and Joker than Nolan does. And listen, I have problems with both of Nolan's films. I don't think either one is a classic, and I don't even think Batman Begins is good, but they're far superior to the first Batman. Yeah. I mean... I think that aesthetically, they're closer to Warren Miller's, but <laughs> I think totally, I think the actual story-wise, Nolan's are. I actually would. I don't disagree with this exactly. I got a lot more opinion so you, about this. Yeah. So the, when he says the first, both the Nolan films, this is because this happened during a time where The Dark Knight Rises hadn't been released. Uh, just to, I was a bit annoyed by that, but. Um, point C, none of your defenses get by the fact that despite being the first cinematic dark take on Batman, so what? Stallone's Judge Dredd was the first take <laughs> on Judge Dredd. The movie is awful. Oh yeah, and Jack Nicholson as the Joker is Jack Nicholson in The Shining with shitty clown makeup. Fuck you, everyone involved with that travesty. The Tim Burton Batman the Tim so- Burton Batman is poorly written. The soundtrack is the worst work of everyone involved. The soundtrack, that's the best bit. 
and it's, it's absolutely one of the most boring <laughs> films ever. Not only that, but the reveal of the Joker as the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents spits in the face of Batman's <laughs> origin and is a nullification of the bottomless thirst for vengeance that necessarily drives Batman. It pretends not to be campy, but is completely so. And on top of everything, the dark creature of the night can't even move his fucking neck. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> it's a ridiculous, awful film. Burton's Planet of the Apes is genius in comparison. This this sounds cool. like the countless people that I have growing up in LA and growing up in the film circle. And then now with the internet, <laughs> this just sounds like a bunch of countless people who love to be contrarians and egg people on. This just reads like film school student level of just trying to piss off people. Look, man, honestly, no, I'm going to put a disclaimer in Greg, the James Gunn's 57 years old now. So, yeah. you know, we go back was 11 years. Six when this happened. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's what's funny to me about it is he's 46 acting like this. Um, look, man, it was 11 years ago. And uh, I'll be honest, a part of me, a part of me feels for him on this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I can't lie. And I know I often say something here that eggs on people in the comments who already really don't like me. And I'll be honest, I part of me feels for him on this. Because it was 11 fucking years ago. <laughs> and, you know, at I don't know what state of mind this guy was in at the time of viewing these things. There are movies I've seen a few years ago that I that I liked quite a bit and then I rewatched them. Sometimes it doesn't even take me a few years to rewatch them. Sometimes I have to rewatch them a little bit later on, like a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't like that movie at all. And then sometimes I don't like something and then I rewatch it. And I or, or I like, or I change. Uh, movies are not just a um analytical experience I, I don't think they ought to be some people just uh, view movies that way i think they, there's a little bit both of an analytical and an emotional experience and i remember like i would say 10 years ago or so I, that's all i used to be was mainly from just just from my head i would just kind of just only watch things from an analytical point of view and not really go off how my heart is feeling and so I'm not saying James Gunn's opinion has changed or not. Like maybe it has, maybe it maybe it hasn't. Whatever. Uh, so I don't really know what to make of this in terms of this. If this opinion is still the thing that he actually holds, part of me sounds like he's just trying to egg it on. That's giving the benefit of the doubt. The other part of me that feels for him on this is the fact that this version of James Gunn was not the James Gunn that was aspiring to be. He it wasn't it didn't sound like until very recently was he even considering becoming a CEO, you know, was even becoming someone who is in charge of running a major studio, you know, and like this is not the language of someone who would run a studio, especially DC of all places, right? Like this is just a filmmaker uh from coming from the trauma days, the guy who made like Slither and stuff like that, like this and and super. The ones who would have these kind of controversial opinions and have these contrarian takes and whatnot. Uh, is he, and he seems like he's also changed as a person. And my point being is this, is that a lot of the times when it comes to, to movies, and I don't know if his opinion has changed. I have no fucking idea if it has. I think when we change as people, when we grow as people and whatnot, and obviously James Gunn has had a lot of crazy life experiences that have caused him to reflect and change as a human being, that our opinions on movies and stuff can change. So I think it's just kind of weird to really 
hold someone super accountable for what they're going to do with the future of DC based off their opinion that was laid out on Facebook when he was obviously in an argument with someone like uh, (laughs) 11 years ago, because who knows how he really feels about it today? And and is this really going to affect the way how the DC movies ultimately play out? It's like, does this mean Guardians of the Galaxy was were bad was a bad trilogy? No. Does this mean this movie, The Suicide Squad, was suddenly bad? No. The guy clearly knows what he's doing when it comes to these properties, um, and maybe I don't. Do you, do you get where I'm going with this? Like, I, I, that's just my opinion. I don't. I don't have this like outrage. Do I agree with? Okay. Do you want to know if I agree with this? No, I don't agree with what he's saying here. Like this take, I don't agree with. <laughs> But I'm not mad at about it. Like this is not none of this is something I haven't heard before. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not pissed about it at all. And I feel like there's a lot of love for Batman Returns, especially that has come out of the woodwork in the last ten years. You know, like it used to just be the like Batman, and now Batman Returns gets like so much love, and a lot of people praise that as even better than Batman '89. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't agree with with this assessment. I personally prefer Batman Returns. Just a little side note. I, I actually prefer that over Batman 89. You idiot. No, no. So yeah, I'm kind of all over the place with this. So I, th- I don't think people should be going back 11 years worth of posts on Facebook. And not even 11 years worth. Like these were nestled deep in comments. So you would have had to go through every single post, read all the comments, go through every single post, read all the comments. So I think that's a bit, you know, if you're doing that, then you're probably going to uncover something eventually, especially when you go like something. I've said something problematic. I've probably said Burton's Batman. Well, I don't know. I haven't, but um, I would have said (laughs) something about another. Like, I love those movies too much to ever say anything bad about them. But another movie that I might say, I end up becoming the head of Marvel in the next 20 years. I might have said Captain Marvel or something wasn't that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Incredible Hulk. I quite enjoyed first thought didn't really enjoy that much don't know if i've ever put that on twitter but someone might dig it up now my my other thing with this is that they actually started blaming the snyder cult now i i I love snyder's movies but i've also got to the point where i I will argue with people about them and be like look mate it's fine you can like them but don't argue with people who who don't all day because it's a waste of time you're never going to convince them to like this movies they'll be like well you're not you're not a real fighter for the cause i'm like you, you shouldn't be fighting mate it's just a movie that you're talking about um but they got blamed for it and it's like well i don't know if 11 years ago people who liked snyder's movies back in 2012 before he ever made man of steel were thinking about you know how to ruin James Gunn's career 11 years from now in case he's the the head of DC. So I I throw that conspiracy theory that there was the Snyder people behind it as well. Um, However, I I do think that to run DC almost need to have like an obsessive love for it and, you know, love both it's good and bad almost and maybe recognize where the stuff's been bad, but like Batman and Robin, like, I, I love that movie. I recognize it's, you know, not everyone's favorite, and I recognize it's very bad, but I love it, if that makes sense. And, yeah, just to see him saying this stuff about Batman 89 and the Nolan films, it didn't, like, out and out bother me because I'm not really someone who gets offended by stuff, especially, like, comic book movie stuff. I mean, you can say, like, 
the, you could say the Godfather shit, which is like my favorite movie ever, and I I wouldn't be offended by. It. I don't really care that much. Um, but just seeing him saying that, and then also in the same year that he says the Flash is one of the greatest comic book movies of all time, it's it's more kind of like James. You've put your foot in it so many times over the years that it's just it's going to have such a difficult time dealing with all this stuff I, th- I think because the fan base is just so rabid with dc you have to be you have to basically be batman or oh, a white knight that is just well a dark knight will say a dark knight that's completely devoid of imperfection a symbol someone who unites everything behind a certain mind state and yeah guns just for him to be doing that in his late 40s it's kind of like Man, you were really immature for a lot of your life, and uh, like I wouldn't be going on like that even now. I wouldn't be ranting, ranting about how shit stuff is. I'd just be sitting in a chair, sort of doing it in a very monotone voice and not really getting amped up about it. But yeah, uh, it's it's a bit of a weird one. Obviously, he's been caught. So what happened was he came out and well, someone said that he deleted his Facebook page over it. Um. And what Gunn then debunked was that he hadn't actually deleted his Facebook page because he hadn't logged into Facebook for so long and he'd actually tried to do it and had a had a report of suspicious activity or something. Now, would that person have been able to go back 11 years and change posts? No. So what people were saying was, well, he said that he's tried to... he he He's denied deleting the page, basically, um, but he hasn't actually denied creating the posts 11 years ago in the first place. So I think they were real. You know, I think with, with, with Gunn, oh, if you're a fan... This, this sounds I mean, like something James Gunn would have said. <laughs> like back in yeah, the day. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like something he would have said. He's got all those tweets as well that he got fired for. And people still are... You know, there's some people who just will never forgive him for, for saying that stuff. Um, I think if you're with James Gunn, but you've got to be, you're in for a yeah. penny, you're in for for a pound. I don't know if that's a saying in America, I'm guessing not, but it basically means if you're in for a cent, you're in for a dollar. Is that what it would translate to? But it means you go in for one thing, you've got to take the whole, everything with it, both good and bad. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you support James Gunn, then I'm sure this won't matter. If you don't like James Gunn, this is just going to be fuel to the fire where you're like, well, well, I guess like I... Nolan's. I guess my question to you, I'll just ask you, does do these does this concern you? Does this add any concern for you regarding the, the future of DC, specifically this threat? Does it actually cause concern? No. In all honesty, when it comes to Gunn's film, like even Blue Beetle flopping, you know, the Flash flopping, if Aquaman flops, all that stuff doesn't necessarily deter it because I still want to see the film um, Superman Legacy and if that's good then I think that'll shut up a lot of the the doubters um, and it'll kind of ease my feelings and, and and I'm just I'm just trying to be like well give the guy this what this chance he, he's putting his all into Superman yeah. Legacy if it's good then yeah just see that so just everything like these comments whatever if the movie's good yeah who cares about this stuff if it's bad then stuff like this is obviously going to get pulled out again and it'll be like well he said this and he said the flash was the greatest film of all time 
and stuff like that will always get constantly pulled out of, uh, about I, him and just every move he's made really has been a weird one i think personally like announcing his slate when he didn't need to causing all these other films to to feel like no one needed to go and see them yeah i, I think all that stuff's gonna get pulled back up if superman legacy is bad if it's good it'll all be forgotten about and no one yeah. will care um, yeah. and i'm just kind of trying to give him that one chance i i think that our gr- I'm not saying James Gunn's one of our greatest filmmakers. I think he is a great filmmaker. I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. I'm, I'm not going to say he's one of the greatest of all time. But if I think if you look at a lot of people who are renowned as the greatest filmmakers of all time, they usually, they usually have a take on something that people love that comes out and, and it's, it totally goes against what a lot of the audiences feel. We've seen it in the superhero landscape with a lot of well-regarded filmmakers, legends of you know filmmakers uh, who have said stuff about a lot of the films that a lot of us really do love. I mean, I, I was even thinking about Tarantino, Scorsese. Scorsese, Spielberg, Fincher. I'm thinking about like Tarantino. I was I remember he was on a I forget which podcast he was on, but he was bitching about the movie 1917. Which is an amazing film. Everyone loves that movie. And he was bitching about that movie and really criticizing it. And I remember there was even one year where he put The Lone Ranger as one of his top 10 movies of that year, a movie that so many people hated. So, people, a lot of the t- times, these filmmakers who have unique visions tend to have not the usual takes on things as well. And that's a lot of the time a thing that can help contribute to them to having a little bit of, to me in some ways, this kind of gives me a bit of confidence that he'll have a unique direction. You know, like he'll be able to bring something unique that we haven't seen done before. Yes, I I do wish this was more of a positive sentiment. Don't get me wrong. Like it's it's kind of a bummer to, to hear about these things. At the same time, though, I'm not at all like it does. It does not add any level of worry to what the future of DC is ultimately going to look like when it comes to like these Batman characters and stuff. So it's just the way it is. (laughs) It's the way life goes, man. Yeah, it's a funny old time for comic book movies. And we've also been hit with some bad news from Marvel as they're delaying a lot of their Disney Plus slate. Greg, you, have you got the image? Would you like to go through the delays? What's oh, do I have the image? Shifted? Paul did not send this to me. I, I totally got it right here. So, okay. Loki season two is still coming out October 6th. What if season two is coming out Christmas? Is it actual Christmas? I don't want to spend my Christmas watching. Around that. Christmas, they said. I'm okay. not I'm not taking <laughs> Christmas Day off for what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas. You know what I mean? X-Men 97, early 2024, which reportedly is going to have animation style more akin to What If. Agatha is new title, uh, title number 14. Ironheart has been, uh, Agatha is to late 2024. Ironheart has been delayed. Wonder Man is delayed. And Daredevil Born Again is delayed. Well, they need to spread this shit out. They don't. Have, they're gonna. There's gonna be a dry period, <laughs> so they they got to spread some of this out, man. Um, I mean, it looks like nothing's canceled though. I realized when they did they did this list, 
because I hadn't actually seen it all in one list together. And I realized I just don't really give a shit about most of these projects. Um, but it might be a bit rude saying it, but is Echo still coming out? Yeah, Echo has been pushed back to January, I believe. Um, okay. So, which I, I find strange because they were going to dump it all on one day, and that seemed to me like they were just going to rip the band aid on it. They realized that it might not be good, might not be worth dragging it out, but now they're they're pushing it to to January. Um, so we've only actually had two Marvel shows this year. Um, Secret Invasion and Loki, I believe. Was, there wasn't one in January, was there? Yeah. So just the two, which is crazy to think about because if you told us at the start of 2023, <laughs> like, you're only getting two Marvel shows this year, I'd be like, oh, no, what am I going to cover for the whole year? Um, I'll have to start doing Exorcist breakdowns. Um, yeah. But it's worked out for the best. But, yeah, that's weird thinking about it. Um, but, but had, yeah, there's been lots. We had Quantumania, though, and we had Guardians, right? Yeah, so... Yeah, movies don't count, though. We're talking Disney Plus shows. Um, Now, when I read this list, I thought it's a bit mental that they're they're doing these projects still when they've got the rights to the X-Men. And I thought back to when they bought Fox, and I thought, you know, the X-Men is like the perfect thing to do Disney Plus shows about. You've got lots of different mutants that they can do spin-off series on whilst keeping the main family together. And then I started thinking about all the different Disney Plus shows they could do. And the fact that we never got the Captain America returning the times, returning the Infinity Stones, we never got a Disney Plus series on that. That is crazy to me. Every week could have been a different time period. Every week could have been a different stone. Every week could have been different heroes and villains. And they messed it up and didn't do that. Now people were like, oh, well, the budget would have been insane. Like you, they spent like two hundred and twenty-five million on Secret Invasion. Yeah, that's that's the cost of a normal Marvel movie. I'm sure they could have done that with a TV show. Um, obviously Chris Evans had kind of stepped away, but money talks, and you know the guy's doing like Apple Plus movies with uh, Anna Diarmas that no one watches. So yeah, I, f- I feel like he probably would have come back. Now, just thinking about stuff as a whole. I think what's probably happened with all the, all these Disney plus Marvel shows that let's be honest, you know, how excited are people for all of these? There'll be some like daredevil, um, you know, what if, but are people excited for Agatha who, who's, you know, was a spin-off one division character. Now I think what's probably happened is that, you know, Marvel have been told by Disney that they need as many shows as possible to push their streaming platform. They obviously, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was a perfect example of how Marvel could take obscure characters, turn them into A-listers and make money. And they thought, you know, they've clearly thought that's something they can do over and over and over again. Um, And obviously, I think they saw how popular WandaVision was, which it was. It was a really big show. And Feige, to me, he was basically told to greenlight as many shows as possible rather than that really being the plan for the off. Now, I might be wrong on that, um, but I personally don't think that when Feige was building towards Secret Wars and, you know, bringing the X-Men into that, he he would have sat down and thought, well, you know what else I think's worth doing? Agatha Darkhold Diaries or whatever. Different title every other month, but I, I we, we, we're going towards Secret Wars, but we've really got to make sure our Agatha shows off the ground before that. Um, that that to me sounds more like a mandate from Disney being like, we've got a streaming service, we need content. Agatha's a very popular character from One Division. We need the show on Disney Plus. Now go. 
Now, I think this just kind of speaks to the problem that Disney have in general with Disney Plus, and that is that a streaming site needs content rather than necessarily having ideas. And we're we're starting to see it with Star Wars as well, where you know they're putting out things like the Acolyte uh, and or Ahsoka. You know, potentially all well, Andor is definitely a great show, but you know, Ahsoka remains to be seen as does the Acolyte, and it feels like. You know, if these were films, would you necessarily be greenlighting them? But when it's a streaming service and you need to have content for that, then they're going to greenlight a lot more than they need to because the the service needs content. Um, and I, I I feel like the difference between Disney Plus that, that that is a really solid point because yeah, when our premiere shows were WandaVision, Loki, and Falcon, like these were big characters, a listers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really strong point. Yeah, and I think what Disney are doing that Netflix don't. So Netflix will just take lots of new shows, create shows, and they'll greenlight so many of them. And if they do well, they'll make more seasons. If they don't do well, cancel them, move on. Who yeah. cares? Um, but Disney stuff's so connected to big IPs, so they, they can't cancel it like Ahsoka. If that was on Netflix, that would be cancelled. 100% Ahsoka would be cancelled if it was on totally. Netflix. But because Disney, it, you know, it's a Star Wars property building towards films coming out down the line, Disney have to ride with it. And I feel like the the problem that, you know, Disney have that Netflix don't is Netflix will just go out, get, you know, upcoming writers will go to them with and pitch an idea. They'll take it on board and do it. Whereas Disney seem to be milking from their current IPs and thus they're killing interest in them. Uh, and I, I think the declining viewership should be a wake-up call to them. But that seems to be the difference. I, 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 I don't really feel like someone will go to Disney Plus and pitch uh, you know, an Agatha show. I think what will happen is Marvel and Disney will instead go out looking for someone to write an Agatha, write show, an Agatha show, whereas yeah. Netflix, someone will go into the office. I've got an idea for a film or a movie. Do you like it? And I, like, yeah, well, you know what? We'll get it. We we see the potential in this. We'll give it a go. Whereas they seem like they're they're forcing the content out rather than the content coming to them. And I think when I I just saw this lineup and I I really delay these for however long. Give me Daredevil, yeah, but the rest of them. They're obviously happy to keep kicking the can down the road, um, and I just feel like it doesn't. You know that they're not that bothered about releasing them, which makes me. I mean, how many times has Agatha been delayed, and how many times has it had its title changed? Now, Variety came out and said that they were doing this on purpose, and it was part yeah. of Agatha's shenanigans. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is it though? Because every time the show gets delayed, it seems like it's got a new title along with it. So is it, or is it, you know, you're just trying to make excuses. D Disney saving face again. <laughs> They're talking a variety. We're doing this on purpose. Hey, put that out there. We're doing this on purpose. Made the CGI in the chrono bowl bad on purpose. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I, I just feel like Disney's kind of a, a snake eating its own tail. It's an Ouroboros, which is, it's just, nice you know it's it's eating enough to to last that day but eventually it's going to just run out of tail and it's fully consumed itself and yeah. that's what it feels like i mean what happens what happens if marvel and star wars die what is disney plus going to do like we've already seen a big decline in viewership in both of them marvel marvel can probably go until secret wars pretty i would say pretty well 
They'll, they'll, I think they'll last, you know, I think they'll get mm-hmm. steady viewership until Secret Wars and then people want to see how that is. And then it'll probably be more difficult to start up again. But the, obviously, if they start on the right foot with the X-Men and that, it could do well. Star Wars, on the other hand, though, you know, what what can they do, really? I mean, once you've had the Mandalorian Season 2, which brought back Boba Fett, brought Ahsoka into live action, brought back Bo-Katan, ended with a Luke Skywalker cameo. That was like, the. I remember every single week with Mandalorian Season 2 was like, oh, crap, who's going to turn up this week? And then just to end on Luke, it was like, oh shit, this is yeah. crazy. And f- what now what can they do from that? They they brought back Luke for Bo- Book of Boba Fett. I mean, that I it had a boost, but it wasn't a massive thing to to skyrocket the viewership. And it just feels like it Disney just really need to change how they run their streaming platform because Netflix are gonna completely kill them. They are the king of the streamers because they have the right strategy, which is to create new shows and new IPs that bring people to Netflix. Whereas Disney's is yeah. we have these several IPs. Here's some I mean, shows on them. Netflix just came out with an adaptation of One Piece, which is a phenomenon right now. It's a huge hit. And like ne- the thing is, Netflix, they green light significantly more than Disney+. Plus. So I think that's why they, they're more likely to can something if it gets like the Ahsoka Samba TV numbers. Because they're like, well, we got so much money to like spend on so many other things that we can't afford to keep this around because because of the, the the vast amount of other properties and products. Like, there's just so much on Netflix that's always releasing every week that I'm like, I don't even know what this is. It's, it's like that every single week. I have no idea. And not only that, they're also like acquiring rights to shows to also air on Netflix as well. Uh, so there's there's so much going on with Netflix. But you're absolutely right, man. When it comes to Disney Plus, because you know. They they tried when they tried premiering Disney Plus. Yeah, the Mandalorian was the big thing to get excited about. The fact that they were going to put like the vault on there, all, all these other all the, all the Disney movies and stuff would all be there. Then they tried uh, some things like the, the, the Jeff Goldblum show, um, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. I want to call it uh, I like that, uh, which I think was I didn't see it, but maybe people liked it. Sometimes they try these like documentary shows, like uh, with celebrities that they was that the Jeremy Renner one and the Chris Hemsworth. I believe that was Disney Plus. I, I think so. It and it's because like Disney all around it doesn't really have too much to rely on. When you look at all their main brands, Pixar's been dying. Like while Elemental managed to grow and make some money, it's by no means the true recovery that they needed. It's by no means the slingshot bounce back that they actually needed for the Pixar department. Their live action remakes are not doing as strong as they would like to. Even the ones that they dump on Disney plus don't do that. Well, the lady in the tram, uh, Pinocchio, those don't do that. Well, even when they try pushing it there, uh, every bit of like the actual main brands when it comes to them. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know. They got the Simpsons on there. They got these other things, but I don't really open my Disney Plus app personally. And and I'm, I'd be more curious. Like you have a family. Like you, do you, do you not show? Do you do you show them? I don't know if they're at the age yet where you're like showing them cartoons or whatever. But I think there's like other little there's other kids shows that I'm sure that are on there that are are worth watching like for the family. But when in terms of like acquiring new because because the thing with the streaming wars it's always about it's like it's like YouTube. Uh, but but a lot more money riding on it when it comes to uh, streaming. It's about acquiring more subscribers, acquiring 
acquiring more subscribers, get more people to sign up. You got to retain, you got need retention and you need to get new ones <laughs> every single year. You got to keep playing that acquiring game. And if these new shows are not popping off or becoming the talk of the town, you're not going to be able to increase those numbers. And at the end of the day, it's all dying. But I think like the one, I don't know how much weight there actually is to me saying this. It doesn't seem likely. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about the oversaturation, especially if we just like isolate the Marvel brand specifically of oversaturation of Marvel. And if they play it smart, they can actually really spread this out and they could put more emphasis on the project and take a little bit more time to ensuring the project is good with the delays, make sure the project is worthy to have a conversation around that can be positive, hopefully, <laughs> so you don't get like another secret invasion situation or, uh, you know, what's happened with their movies, but specifically the shows, which have often kind of just been passable lately, even though I love like Miss Marvel as well. Specifically, I'm talking about like what happened with Secret Invasion. So if with the delays, the one positive I can see is that, okay, if we get some breather from Marvel, oh, Marvel's coming back. Let's put a lot of emphasis on <laughs> Ironheart and see if we can generate a lot of hype for that and really make this more qualitative in the post-production process. Let's, let's put a lot of quality into that. Then you get another breather as opposed to we got six Disney plus shows this year or something like that, where it feels like there's more quantity. They can basically redirect their focus into making it more qualitative. That's the one main positive I can see where they can actually build more of a spotlight per project because like with echo coming out this year and with the amount that was originally coming out, you're like, who gives a shit about echo? We got this, this, and this. I don't give a shit about echo. Now, if you got space and, it's, and it's all you got to look forward to is this one thing, then maybe you can actually put more of an emphasis on it to increase anticipation. I don't know how likely that is, but it's at least worth a shot if you're going to be making the properties. That's the one real positive I can see on it. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird time. Personally, uh, like my YouTube channel, I always used to just hammer out a video every day. Didn't matter if I really had a topic, just make sure you get a video out to hit the algorithm. And I've realized over time that it's actually better to take breaks and do more quality videos not like this podcast or anything but yeah. for example like more in-depth breakdowns and things that really look into stuff rather than just hammering out a video for the sake of it and i hope they go with that idea of making the best product possible and just putting their all into it rather than being like oh this is just another thing on the the factory line that we're, we're chugging out yeah and um, but streaming's becoming quite dangerous financially um so forbes have actually put out a report discussing how the movie industry in total has lost roughly about $40 billion um, putting their all into streaming. Now, obviously we know streaming, you know, some a company like Disney's 13 billion in the hole from Disney plus, but on top of this, they've also worked out things like capping, um, capping physical media releases, multiple releases, multiple formats, and just every way that they used to distribute a, a movie those networks are almost gone now um and it's really had an effect to the point that i think it was five years they said they've lost about 40 billion dollars from doing this strategy and, and just putting it all into streaming now for example the way that things used to work back in the day 
you, you'd show a movie in a theater for a couple of months, not like how they do now where it's like they're three weeks and then on digital. Um, but it'd be there for a couple of months. People would go out and see it. And then it would be roughly about a year later when you'd get the, the physical media release, the VHS or the DVD. Now, what would then happen is that it would move to be sold to cable networks, TV shows, and this could be something that it could do worldwide. For example, in the UK, it was roughly normally about two years after a movie came out, they'd do a big world premiere. Well, not world premiere because it's in the UK, but a premiere on the home TV premiere of a certain film, um, and they would show it and they'd make a big deal out of it. And the studio obviously made money from selling it to the network. The network could put ads in the middle of it. It was such a big thing don't really have that anymore because of streaming um now what they do is they put it in the, the cinema then they sell on digital a couple of weeks later it's probably on streaming and alongside that you, disney plus do it weirdly where the the disney plus release comes before the physical media release which i've always found weird but i'm a, I'm a physical media collector so i buy it um i don't actually buy digital because i know it's going to be on streaming soon and if I'm not that hyped about going to see a movie, I don't go see it because I know it's going to be on digital soon. So there's this weird thing. And I, I feel like a lot of people have ad- adapted this mentality. And it was kind of pushed in the pandemic where, you know, if you miss a movie, it's going to be on streaming soon. Um, and obviously they've built in their, their whole money service now is putting everything on streaming. So they've lost the revenue from the physical media sales digital sales don't perform as well now because stuff's going to be on streaming very soon and things like you know network tv cable tv everything like that it's not the big money maker that it used to be because they're pushing it all onto streaming so they've actually cut off these revenue streams to to build up these platforms that have in turn lost the money um because of how much everything costs but also you know lost the money from the way that um they they would make stuff on the back end like you used to be able to have a movie that was a flop but if it did well on physical media it made back a lot of money and that's that's completely gone now because it doesn't really make money when it's when it's on streaming yeah. and i i feel like they're, they're starting to regret it now which is they've realized their mistake and this is why we've seen things like one division loki the mandalorian they're getting 4k steelbook releases because Disney realized like, oh crap, we're leaving money on the table here. And, and to do it this late when it's those shows have been out for years, it just reeks to me that they've, they've realized it's been such a massive mistake to do that in the first place and cut off that big revenue stream that they had where people would buy stuff just to collect it. And I, I feel like they, they followed the Spotify model and thought that they could apply it to films where you know you have a subscription service and you can basically listen or, or play play whatever movie or TV show you want that's on that that streaming service. Mm-hmm. Now the difference is a song a song doesn't cost two hundred and fifty million dollars to make. You just get a microphone or go into a recording studio. You might not even go into a recording studio. You can just do it at home, and yeah, you've uh, you've made yourself a song there. Whereas a movie costs a lot more. Um, it's something Christopher Nolan's talked about as well, physical media. And I, I feel like the, the the streaming stuff kind of cheapens it almost, where it, I feel like you don't actually own it until you have it on physical media. I feel like if it's on a streaming platform, you don't really, 
it's, it's not yours, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I feel like they've just massively shot themselves in the foot, and these figures kind of kind of prove it as well. I mean, you covered it all, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's all. It's it seems like they didn't really factor in the long term strategy of it all. Netflix was such a game changer. Netflix was a game changer for a lot of things. Remember, when Netflix started off with physical media, right? Uh, with, yeah. With, with, where you had to get the DVDs. You didn't have to go to a video store anymore. You have to go to Redbox. You could just have it mailed in and stuff. I still have a DVD yeah. I never returned. I wonder how much I've, how much it's affected my credit. They, <laughs> they said, they said you can keep it. They put out a statement oh, did they? <laughs> yeah. the other week. Genuinely, yeah, they genuinely put out a statement the other week saying, just <laughs> keep like, it. I don't found it. Like, it. We don't never returned this month. Um, we haven't got the storage anymore. <laughs> uh, they started off with that, so that in and of itself was a game changer. And then they had the this. Then they created the streaming service, and you know now they have like over two hundred million worldwide subscribers for it. Changed the game forever, and that took a lot of build and a lot of innovation. And then there's a lot of people who just wanted to play copy and catch up. And there's this thing called uh, that I learned about a long time. They call it like the law of the lid. Basically, that if you're like it, if let's say Paul, you're like at a level nine, and I'm at a level six. If I'm constantly trying to like copy you or follow you, I'm never going to be able to match you because I you've created the lid. So I got to create something different. I got to create something more innovative to surpass. And Netflix has created this like top tier lid that you can't surpass. And everyone's just trying to copy and follow. And all, everyone's just kind of shot themselves in the foot due to this. And, and, and a lot of people also forget that Netflix took a very long time to become profitable. They took extremely long time. To, it took like, I believe originally it was like four years. Then with the streaming service and the amount of money they put into it, it took a, another long gestated amount of time to finally become profitable. And then to see what's happening here with the streaming services, it also makes sense with everything that's been going on with the strikes. When you look back on that, with the amount of you know cracking the whip on the writers and then and, and the actors, but especially the writers, and not paying them enough, and the whole production crews and whatnot, the amount of work that they asked them to do without true fair compensation, and then why there's also a lot of fraught tension, there's a lot of panic happening, and why they refuse to release their numbers because a lot of this is not going to look good in the end. It's kind of crazy to see just how much money has been lost because when you think about like 40 billion dollars and just how much money has been spent on this it doesn't really feel if you like scroll through any of these streaming services and all and the original content produced on them most of them you've you've either never watched or never heard of (laughs) you know vast majority of them and it's really sad to see what's become of it and it's also sad to see now how there's didn't Disney just produce something? Was it Disney? The Spiderwick Chronic? Is that what I'm thinking of? The Spiderwick Chronic? Yeah. They they produced something that they, it wasn't just a pilot. They actually shot it. They actually shot the whole thing. And now they're not even going to release it (laughs) because they're like, it just, it wouldn't make sense. We would just lose money on it. It, It's insane. That's almost unheard of. To shoot a whole thing, to shoot a pilot and not air it, that makes sense. But to shoot a whole, to shoot a series and not air it, it's the the amount of work that the, the that these 
that the actors, creators are all putting into this and then not feel like they're getting paid fairly. And then the amount of money that's being wasted too. A lot of it just seems like really poor strategy in a desperate attempt to catch up with Netflix. And, and I, and none of them have really, they can't pass Netflix, man. Netflix is still king. I still might. It's Netflix is still the number one streaming service. I personally use, I still use that way more than all the other ones. Yeah. And it, it seems like they're almost kind of retroactively going like they want to go back to the old models because they're doing ad tier stuff now and they're they're trying to get stuff to the point where ads are integrated into it again annoying and kind of annoying (laughs) yeah and going back to ahsoka those viewing figures i actually wonder if that's going to damage that the ad tier stuff because you know it, it is kind of taking it to that whole network tv thing where a show would get cancelled if it, if it did that badly because the ads just wouldn't you know it'd be so difficult to sell to advertisers and i wonder if you know if the viewing figures on stuff's crap if they're gonna find it difficult to said sell to advertisers again on their ad tier stuff mm-hmm. um it's such a weird thing that they're doing yet yeah, i mean i i got my bill through for netflix the other week and it was over 20 pound because we've added another household to it now and it's just getting crazy um i'm really just getting to the well, point where i wish the streaming wars were over and it, it will it will probably get to a point where everything just kind of netflix buys everything or disney buys everything or apple buys everything and it goes under one platform but oof, i crazy. think what um i think what prime video has done is really smart because because you know having amazon prime loops you into having prime video i think that's that was a that was that was a smart move I believe they're the second one behind, like they're really close to Netflix. I believe they're the second one behind them, but they're all also their video. They have, they have like several sections, right? They have stuff where uh, you could watch free without ads. They have some live TV on there as well. They got like a good amount of options and they're also their video on demand is pretty accurate. Like you're right. Buying on digital is not as lucrative as they probably hoped, especially because you know, there was a time where we would wait a very long time before something could actually come out on, on physical, like growing up. I, I, for some reason, my mind always goes to Toy Story 2 of waiting like a whole year after watching it in the theaters. And then if I yeah, it was long, like DVD. yeah, long. It was a, they used to wait a long ass time. Now shit gets just released on video on demand while it's still in the theaters. You know, that happens with so many movies now. Um, and you know what they they do something that because because there's a lot of movies that obviously I, I do like the reaction commentaries for uh and and i i always have the option to either rent it or buy it on video on demand and their rental price is always 19.99 but their purchase price is 24.99 <laughs> so i'm always and there's a lot of people I'm fortunate enough where the five dollar difference is not a big enough deal to me where I I can afford that five dollars. Some people it's 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 a make or break where they're like, no, I'd, I I want to keep that five dollars, which I understand. But for there's a lot of people out there where it's like, well, I might not be able to finish it, and I don't want to confine myself to a forty eight hour window, and it's just five dollars more. I might as well just buy it, you know. So it's actually like a clever, persuasive way to get you to buy the movie when it's, it's kind of ridiculous that well because it just makes you go i might as well just buy this when it's only tw- it's 20 dollars to rent and 25 to actually own the thing forever you know 
but I also have that feeling that you're talking about though, too, of, of, of not actually really owning it because I think to myself, well, what if I don't have my prime account anymore? What if for some reason Amazon Prime just shut down? I wouldn't own any of the countless movies that I now own because I chose to buy it instead of rent it now. So I actually I do agree with that feeling that you're talking about, the difference between owning physical media um, versus buying something on digital. In fact, I actually feel that way with video games as well. Like, uh, you know, when it comes to buying, uh, a lot of people just download a video game. And I prefer to buy the physical media on top of that, too. I'm the same. I got burned by iTunes back in the day really badly because when I was a student, I got my new iPod Uh and uh, all the songs were like 79p. I was like, oh, just buy another song. Oh, just buy another song. I spent like £300 in the first month, which when I was a student, that was like my life savings. And then a couple of years later... I just ended up getting rid of it and losing all my purchases. Oh, and then man. since then, I've just been like, nah, buy, buy everything physical. Because it's not even really that much of a price difference. Like I used to trade in a lot of my games as well. Um, and I'd even sell them on eBay. So I'd buy a game, play through it. If, if I loved it, I'd keep it. If I thought it was okay or bad, I'd sell it on eBay. And I'd at least get some money back from it. But I'm seeing these digital costs for games are the same price as it would be to just buy a physical copy and i just yeah you know there's no trading or selling it so if you don't like it you cut you're kind of stuck with it um which i don't really get but yeah that's uh that's my thoughts on it is there any thoughts that you have greg for or is there any other topics you want to cover i know we've got a lot but i'm looking at the time there the, the viewers have been with us for an hour and 20 minutes and i don't know if I want to put them through another twenty minutes of us rambling. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm I'm good for I'm good for today. I feel like this went fine. Did it go okay. fine? I thought we had some good points scattered throughout the complete nonsense, as per usual. But yeah, thanks guys for sticking with us. Um, you throw as enough spaghetti always, at the you wall. Can... <laughs> you never know something. One, yeah. Something might stick here. I feel like there's some executive out there somewhere listening and jotting stuff down. Like, oh crap, don't. Don't lose forty billion on streaming. Got to take that into the office and be like, "This is a, to go on the to do list." Um, yeah, but I do kind of feel like stuff. Obviously, stuff evolves and changes over time. Like I never actually thought we would get physical media releases of One Division stuff. I did originally when the show first came out. I thought, "Oh, there's no way they don't release this physically because mm. people will buy it and also keep their Disney Plus subscription." But I think they thought that people would buy it and then cancel their subscription, which it's like. Nah, mate, you don't understand how collectors work. They will keep that going in the background and spend $60 on a steelbook as well. Especially um, for big IP. So yeah. yeah, especially for the fandom. Yeah, properties. definitely. Yeah. Oh, mate, the amount of times I've bought the MCU at this point is absolutely ridiculous because I bought a Blu-ray, sold it to get the 4Ks, and then they released all the IMAX versions on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so I sold all them, and then... I thought I'm going to buy them again, but this time I was into steelbook collecting. So I bought them all the steelbooks, which is like some of those older movies, the price on the the steelbooks. If you don't get a steelbook when it first releases, then you're going to get shafted on the price. I try and buy the Into the Spider-Verse steelbook every week, at least once a week, and it's always $120 or something. I just think it's too much. It's it's the one in my collection that I don't own, but I'm still like, it's too much. It's too much. Um, so yeah, 
it seems like they're shifting back to it when they start selling those Disney Plus shows as yeah. physical releases. Maybe they've realized, you know, maybe the accountants come in and said, look how much money you've lost. Time to go back to the old ways. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And obviously this actually means more money for strikers and the actors and residuals and stuff because that was where a lot of the money used to come from. Whereas when it's on streaming, they can kind of hide the numbers. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, we've bored you enough, guys. Thanks again for supporting us. Um, if you want to check out our merch, the link's below. You can go over to Greg's channel at The Real Rejects, watch his reactions. He's going through One Piece at the moment. Just started it out, so you're not going to miss out much. You'll be able to catch up very quickly and just see the guy's thoughts on it. Greg, is there anything you want to say? Final, final words? Final words this time. No, no. I mean, uh, thank you guys for... Uh, it's It's been a journey being here and uh thank you paul for having me be here with you buddy i it, it's interesting you know it like, sounds so sad it's it <laughs> it's, it's a little t- i'm still i'm still i'm still recovering a little bit uh no i mean it's was been that like, one comment from like three weeks ago that got you there's to always you, like it? the same two people i'll see a lot of positivity we'll get fan art and i'll see the same two people and i'll be like that son of a bitch just ruined my mood. <laughs> it's the way <laughs> you know how my my mentality works. Um, yeah, I but I, no, I, I appreciate those who are are uh, who've been very welcoming as I've been. It's you know it's like it, it's kind of a it's been an interesting journey for me because you know like I'm so used to just being on my channel, right? And then oftentimes it'd be like. Oh, I might guest on someone's channel. I might guest on someone's channel. And this is the first time in the entire time I've been doing this where I'm like, I'm starting up something new on someone else's audience, <laughs> you know? And so it's it's different. It's it's been a journey of like another reevaluation of just learning to be myself again. Because I get in my own head about stuff. So as I've been going through the process of just getting comfortable with my myself that's where it starts with it's just getting self-comfortable and so i appreciate everyone who's who's been here with me and i've been enjoying my time here i like it here it's, it's different than what i do on my channel so i'm really enjoying my time here so thank you guys we haven't missed a week yet and uh we'll hope you guys are back next week if you want to listen to us on the go spotify amazon apple music podcasts whatever mm-hmm. It's across the spoiler verse. Remember, a pow, pow, pow. See you next time. Pow, pow.